This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. foundation, then that's all you have. There's no structure. There's no structure. Have you ever seen, uh, you know, someone start off building the land, they cut the trees, and all of a sudden they got the foundation, and for some reason, they didn't have the funds for it, whatever it is, something fell through, they're unable to build, and now all you see is a foundation, and trees and weeds are just growing around it. There is no structure. There's no home. Babies aren't born talking in full sentences. In fact, they can't even make any sounds that resemble talking. They have to slowly build their vocabulary, first with babbling, then with individual letter sounds, next words, and finally sentences. They have to mature in their speech, building on the first foundation of simple babbles. Today, Pastor Eddie reminds you that the foundation of your faith is just a starting point. You must continue to build on it. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 6 as he continues his message. A call to spiritual growth. The very thing that God calls sin, all the sign churches are accepting it. All because, you know, you know, we're in the 21st century here. Uh, yeah, and the Bible still applies. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. The world changes, but not God and his word. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. And, it, and it's like they want the Bible to conform to the world rather than the world conform to the Bible. And so churches, Christians, are accepting evolution to accept evolution, say there's no God. You don't believe Genesis 1-1. Gender identity, it's all craziness. It's madness. The animal kingdom doesn't have a problem with that. We have a problem with it. It's because Satan wants to rob their identity. That's why. It's a confusion. Homosexuality. God calls it a sin. Abortion. CRT is racist in itself. All these things are accepted and tolerate, tolerated and approved by Christians and in the pulpit, in the church, when God calls it a sin. So you see, you, they can't discern because they're dull of hearing, right? They're unable to teach even what they know. They aren't skilled in the word. They only drink, they've been drinking milk for who knows. I'm talking about those who are supposed to be Christians. I'm not talking about the world. You can't expect the world to be righteous, but it's being accepted in the church. When you're dull of hearing, you're unable to teach, you're unskilled, you can't discern what's good and bad. The solid food is for those who are mature. They are mature because they eat the solid food. They have skill. They're able to discern what's right and wrong. These are the four signs that he lists here that are those who are spiritually immature. 
okay? And, uh, you know, I hope you take this home as conviction to examine yourself in the scripture. You're saved. I'm not challenging your, your you know, whether you, you if you're, you're saved, you're born again, you repented, you know, not because your parents were Christians makes you a Christian. You must repent of your sins. You must be born again. Jesus said that. You have to make your own decision. Being baptized when you're a baby doesn't make you go to heaven. It's just water. We don't baptize babies anyway. It's not biblical. Jesus wasn't baptized until he was 30. And the point is, you need to go to the cross. You need to repent of your sins. You need to be born again in order to be right with God. And that's good. But now you need to grow from there. And so in chapter 5, verses 11 through 14, we looked at those who were spiritually immature. They were dull of hearing, unable to teach, unskilled, and can't discern. Now in chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, it's a call to spiritual maturity, a call to spiritual maturity. And what the writer of Hebrew wants them to do is to go on to maturity, to go beyond that, you're ready there, now move forward. So, he wants them to leave the basics. Let's look at chapter 6, verse 1. He writes, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, the elementary principles, the basic teachings of Christ, the elementary doctrines of Christ. Now, the writer of Hebrews is not saying that we do away with it or to replace it, but instead, if you will, build upon it. We need to build upon it. You have a Christian foundation, and hopefully that foundation is a good foundation, okay? You're not dull of hearing. You're able to teach. All right. Make sure it's a good foundation. What you're going to do now is you're going to build upon that. In other words, you're going to move on from the ABCs, right, into words, into building sentences, and, and then paragraphs, and into books. And so the, what the writer of Hebrews is going to do, he's going to list for us six elementary principles that we need to move forward on, we need to mature from. In other words, these are elementary principles that are like building blocks, if you will. Because if you only have a foundation, then that's all you have. There's no structure. There's no structure. Have you ever seen, uh, you know, someone start off building the land, they cut the trees, and all of a sudden they got the foundation, and for some reason they didn't have the funds for it, whatever it is, something fell through, they're unable to build, and now all you see is a foundation and trees and weeds are just growing around it. There is no structure. There's no home. And if you picture, if you will, that foundation of those who are baby Christians, Christianity 101, now we need to build upon that. And he's going to note six principles, elementary principles that we need to move on from and not to do away with, but to build upon. Also to know, keep this in mind, he is writing to Jewish believers. He is a Hebrew writing to Hebrew. And some of these principles are foundation to the Jewish faith. Because there was faith in the Old Testament, by the way, right? Abraham, all right? There is faith. And so he's going to point that out to them at the same time. We're going to see the parallels with the new covenant, with the New Testament. So the fact is, what, what did Jesus say in John chapter 4, verse 22? He says, salvation is of the Jews. Salvation is of the Jews. And so he's reminding them, hey, listen, we, this is what we believe. We need to move on from that, okay? These Jewish believers had to leave their ties with the old covenant, with Judaism, the ceremonial laws, sacrifice, because Jesus Fulfill those 
laws. He fulfilled the sacrifices. So elementary principle number one that they had to leave was repentance from dead works. Repentance from dead works. The word repent means to change of mind, heart, and will. That will result in an external change of action. Everything you do is a result because you have properly had a, you properly repented of the mind, heart, and will. Okay? But here he is talking about a repentance of dead works. In other words, to the Jewish mind, they're thinking, okay, repentance, what I got to do every year, go to the temple and sacrifice a lamb. That's been done away with. Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. He's the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so we have to move on for that. So because those works are obsolete by the finished work of Christ, and one must repent in Christ, not of works. Here he's talking about works. And I said, but we must repent as you and I. That's how we come to Christ, is the changing of the mind, will, and heart. And your life should be a reflection of that. As a matter of fact, this is the very first things that John the Baptist started to preach. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, John the Baptist says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. This is the first thing that Jesus himself preached. The very first thing Jesus preached was repentance. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The birth of the church in the book of Acts, Peter gave his first sermon, one of the longest sermons in the entire New Testament. Uh, It's actually longer than the the Beatitudes, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Anyway, but in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it says, then Peter said to them, repent. And every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repentance is important. So they need to leave the elementary. You got that ready. You, you know, I was listening to Pastor Chuck was saying that when he first started in his ministry before the Calvary Chapel movement, that, um, you know, he was a part of a denomination that they want him to teach salvation every Sunday. Every Sunday was about salvation, salvation, salvation. They weren't being taught. They were being preached to. You see the difference? Preaching is the gospel. Then you come here, we teach you the word of God. And so every year, but no, they weren't growing spiritually because they didn't have, they weren't being taught. And so they need to move on, uh, the repentance of the dead works. Second elementary there to lead, there to move on from is, and it says there at the end of verse one, and of faith towards God. They already know this faith. They should know it. We should know it. You should know what faith is. But the first readers of Hebrews were Jewish, and the only faith that they can actually remember or learn from throughout their lives was the faith of the patriarchs in the Old Testament. Okay, they, they look to the saints, you know, the Old Testament saints, not the Catholic saints, <laughs> uh, the Old Testament saints. As a matter of fact, when we get to Hebrews chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews is going to list for us all the men of God and women of God in chapter 11. As a matter of fact, many teachers uh, label chapter, they title chapter 11 of Hebrews, the hall of faith, because he lists them all. But here's what's interesting about that is that all of them was look, were looking forward to the cross. They were looking forward to the cross. We 
or after the cross, we look back to the cross. It's as if the cross is on the hill and the Old Testament saints are looking for the fulfillment of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And we Gentiles who are saved through faith in Christ are looking to the cross as well on the other side. Here, here's what the writer of Hebrews writes in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. He says, these all died in faith. Here it is. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off or sure of them, embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the land. So listen, we know of the Messiah. We, we knew how God worked with the children of Israel. We know he's coming. But they went to be with the Lord, but their faith was still there, you see. And that's what faith is all about. Faith is not, I got to see it to believe it. No, faith is believing in the things you have not seen. So the Old Testament saints all died in faith, not by works, but they were, it was by faith. They died in faith. And they didn't depend on works. They depend on the belief. And they got, whether they learned this from Father Abraham. Abraham Father Abraham, you know, he's, we call him Father Abraham. Even us Gentile believers, we call him Father Abraham. Why? Because he's the father of a nation of believers. The Lord said, I'll multiply your, descend, your descendants like the stars in the sky. He said, I will make you a father of many nations, not a nation. Nations, plural. The nation of Israel, Ishmaelites, and those who are believers. Why? Because before the Bible was written, before Moses was in the picture, before the commandments, before all the laws, before any of the rituals were implemented or given, Abraham believed without a Bible. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, it says this, And he, that's Abraham, believed in the Lord, and he, the Lord, accounted it to him for righteousness. Justification by faith, simply by believing. Now, because Christ came on the cross, it is faith in Christ. Were you there 2,000 years ago? Were you there at the cross? Did you actually witness the empty tomb? No, but you by faith believe. It is by faith. So with the new covenant, we also believe. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Paul writes to the church of Ephesus, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Not of works. Nothing you can do can get you to heaven. Not of works. Lest anyone should boast. The third elementary principle there to move on from is baptism. That's in verse 2. Look at verse 2. It says, of the doctrine of baptisms. Plural S. Now, he could be referring to the ceremonial wash. And the Jews had this ceremonial washing. Um, and Or it could be both that and of the New Testament by this time. Obviously, baptism of water was implemented to the early church. And so, baptism, we have two forms of baptism in the Bible. Some people had seven, the baptism of Moses and all that stuff. But we're talking about the baptism in which we are to acknowledge and identify with. The New Testament talks about water baptism. What is water baptism? You know, it's not, we don't, we're not baptized for forgiveness of sins. It's to identify with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. That is why we're baptized. And as a matter of fact, if you read the language, Jesus says, go make disciples of all the nations, baptize them. Peter says baptize. Paul says baptize. If you read the language in the Greek, it is a command. So we're going to say, Lord, I know the great commission, make disciples of all nations, baptize. And I'm going to eliminate that because I don't want to baptize in front of people. I don't want to get my hair wet. You know, I'm allergic to water. 
I only shower once a month, so can I skip this? No, it's a command. But to baptize because identifying with Christ. You love your Lord, and I don't know how many here are not baptized. Get baptized in a swamp. It doesn't matter. Get baptized. Identify with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Baptism is an outward manifestation of an inward transformation. It's an outward expression of an inward reality. We identify with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Not babies. Babies don't know. Babies do not understand anything. We present children. We don't baptize babies. Babies are, they have to get to the point where they have to accept Christ. You must, you must be saved and then baptized, not baptized and saved. The man on the cross wasn't baptized. He believed. That doesn't mean, you know, people think, you know, you have to be baptized or you won't go to heaven. Well, the man on the cross wasn't baptized when, Jesus, when the man on the cross said to Jesus, remember me. He said, for this day, you and me shall be in paradise. He didn't say, okay, listen, time out, guys. Hey, listen, Roman soldier, can you just take him off, squirt some water in him because he won't be able to go to heaven if he's not baptized. That, then that's of works. But we identify with our Lord and Savior. Another baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not, you know, getting into unbiblical practices. And I came from a church where there were unbiblical practices, you know, and, and people, oh, Holy Ghost Church, Holy Ghost Church. If you go to a church that's only Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, that's the wrong church. Because the Holy Spirit would not testify of himself. He would testify of Christ. What happened is people like this goosebump feeling. They like the uh, spiritualism. They like to, oh, ooh, feel the goosebumps. You know, no, that's not what a, being baptized in the Holy Spirit is, be, is receiving the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit began in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, and Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and chapter 2. Again, the Holy Spirit came upon them. They were able to speak in tongues in other languages. The Holy Spirit is there uh, to exercise the gifts, and you find in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, so these are the baptism. We know this, so we should know this stuff. And if you don't know this stuff, you got a lot of catching up to do. A lot of catching up to do. The fourth elementary principle is of the laying of hands. Now to the Jews, they, the laying of hands to them, they could see how Jacob crossed his hand and laid hands to bless, you know, his you know, Manasseh and Ephraim. And, uh, but they also know the laying of hands is a Levitical law when the high priest will lay hands on the sacrifice. They will lay hands on the sacrifice. So Leviticus chapter 4, verse 1. Leviticus chapter 3, verse 2. Leviticus chapter 16, verse 21. But with the new covenant, we see the laying of hands for service. We see that when Paul laid hands on Timothy. And you find that in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. And there's also a warning about laying the hands that people think like, wow, it's a magical formula. Wait up. I'm going to lay hands on you. You're going to be slain in the spirit. <sighs> slain in the spirit, that's an unbiblical practice. It's not biblical, okay? So when you see people like Benny Hinn, you know, like <sighs> with his coat, that is unbiblical. That is, he's going to answer to God for that. That is not the Holy Spirit. He doesn't have power like that. And that's the reason why we need to study the Bible. Because if you don't know the Bible and you don't know that that's not biblical, you're going to be a part of that and you're going to participate in that. You know, I have a rule. You know, the gospel, we have four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Who they wrote about? Jesus. They recorded Jesus' life. If Jesus didn't do it, I'm not going to do it. Very simple. You don't, you don't see any of the gospel writers say, oh, and disciples formed a circle because Jesus was out of control. 
No. And people, they'll use that as an excuse. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was, I was, I was in the spirit. No, you were in the flesh. Because the Bible, you're saying that was the Holy Spirit. No, the Holy Spirit, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control. Galatians chapter 5. And so what you're saying is that the Holy Spirit was out of control. And the Holy Spirit would not contradict himself. It is full control. God is a God of order and there's control. So isn't it fair? So that's not the Holy Spirit. So we need to be careful in the laying on hands and all that. You know, it, it, Paul... Paul wrote Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 5, uh, do not be quick to lay hands on people. And talking about putting those into service, you know, deacons, elders, pastors, you know, don't be quick. Don't say, hey, let's lay hands on this guy. Everybody loves him. He's a nice guy. You know, he's a very popular guy. Yeah. He's one of the biggest tithers in the church. We got to put him. We got to hold him. I've been in the church, that's what they did. They found somebody was leaving, and he was, you know, oh, let's, 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 let's lay hands on him. Let's make him a deacon. I've been to a church where they were laying hands on broomsticks. It's like anybody. Oh, you want, you, yeah, uh, deacon, deacon, deacon. Really? Let's look at the qualification. Give them some time. You know how many people were destroyed, and they still think they're pastors today and deacons? Because they're not. They weren't, they didn't have a good foundation. Anyway. Fifth elementary principles they need to move on is the resurrection of the dead. The Old Testament believers, they believe in the resurrection of the dead. Job chapter 19, Psalms 17, okay? We believe in the resurrection. Christ said, I am the resurrection. I'm going to read that. John chapter 11, verse 25, 26. Jesus said, I am the resurrection life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Six elementary principle they need to move on is eternal judgment. It refers to those who are saved and unsaved. So saints and ain'ts are going to be judged by God. Now, those who are saved, they're not going to be judged for their faith. They're not going to be judged unto condemnation. But there is a judgment in that God would judge their motives. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. And rewards. They will be judged by what they've done. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 through 15. The unbeliever, however, will be judged in the great white throne of judgment, judgment unto condemnation. That's in Revelation chapter 20. Then he goes on in verse 3. We'll close with this. And this we will do if God permits. God permits. But what he's, trying, what he's saying here is that we can't do it on our own. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think that of anything of being from ourselves, but... Our sufficiency is from Christ, it's from God. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things, or is it some of the things? No, all things through Christ Jesus who strengthened me. And I'll leave with this last verse. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Amen spiritual maturity, how long you've been a Christian, what do you know about your faith, we need to move on from there. Amen? Aren't you glad you decided to join us today on Running the Race? Pastor Eddie has been making his way through the book of Hebrews in a series, Jesus is Better. We're learning some great truths about Jesus coming to be all that the Old Testament had talked about. The strength of God's Word and how it's fulfilled is something mighty to ponder. Hebrews 4.12 says, 
For the Word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We pray that God's Word has been a discerner of your heart today. We're so glad you joined us for Running the Race. Running the Race is a radio ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, Jessica has an invitation for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. Head over to runningtheraceradio.com to learn more about the church and hear more messages. Pastor Eddie has more to share with you in the book of Hebrews, so make sure you come back to hear more next time, here on Running the Race.